My name is Jeffrey Morse. This is episode 112. Thank you so much for joining us here today. We have a lot to talk about this week, and joining me is Nathan Wagner. Hi, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, also joining us is the one and only Rob Douglas. The one and only. The one and only. That's actually that's actually not true. I looked my name up once on Facebook, and there's actually or I got invited to this Facebook group, and it had like. 4,000 people who all had Robert Douglas spelled exactly the same way as me, so I'm not the one only. Robert Douglas Facebook group? <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> awesome. Man, I want to see if I, so. can, I can join that group. Um, but anyways, <laughs> all about Telltale Games today. Um, obviously, if you've been keeping up with the news, they have had uh, a lot of headlines come out this week, and uh, they have actually pretty much closed down their development studio, so... We thought it'd be a good time to take a walk through the history of Telltale Games, look back at some of our favorite moments from um, the games that that studio brought us, all the way up to today, where where we're at looking in the future. But before we do that, uh, we do have news, and we actually have a new review that popped up on iTunes, and this is just a reminder that you can rate us on iTunes, we're also on Google Play, Um, we're looking to maybe get it on Spotify soon, so if you listen there... um, let us know if that's something you would like to do, and we'll uh, try to make that happen. But anyways, we got a review from The Juiciest Juice. He said uh, that when we first started, it was a little bit disorganized. Our podcast is really clicking on all cylinders now, and uh, you know we're a little bent towards Nintendo, but we talk all about all video games we're interested in. And he said that they uh, play fun games with guests every once in a while, and it's just a fun podcast overall, and the conversations you know, mm-hmm. have really grown. So I really appreciate, uh, you know, Juiciest juice, you know, taking the time to, to fill out that review. So, thank you. Let us know uh, if you have any thoughts about the show, uh, things we could do better, or things that you really enjoy. It helps us uh, be build a better show. So, yeah, that's that's a great review. And actually, as I was looking at our notes earlier, I realized I'm pretty sure today might be one of the first days in a while that we're not really talking about anything Nintendo. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, this is an episode for all of you non-Nintendo fans. Exactly. <laughs> Um, well, here we are. Red Dead is just around the corner at this point. We're pretty much just a month away from launch. And so Rockstar has been slowly kind of putting out all these different details and different things about the game. And um, really the big news that came out today or this week was that uh, new Red Dead Redemption will have over 200 unique species of animals. So, like, this isn't, like, just a bear, a wolf, a raccoon, and a hawk anymore. Like, there are 200 different kinds of animals lots of different variety and they all have realistic behaviors and so they're really kind of hitting home and marketing the point that this is a real living ecosystem and the animals are going to behave just as they would in real life Um, you can track animals in realistic ways you know if the wind changes they said you know an animal could pick up your scent based on where you're standing and like where the wind is blowing even and just an insane amount of detail is going into this game and um, they also detailed mini games with fishing and how you can do hunting and skinning, and really, there's a crazy amount of things to do Dude. in this game, which I know we all expected. But wow. what are so your guys' thoughts what you're about saying, this? Have so, you guys, re- sorry, Rob, have you guys read any of the previews for this game? Like uh, big, big video game sites have started putting out previews. Have you read any of them? I've, I've tried to stay them. pretty spoiler free, so I've only read like okay. general impressions. Okay, yeah, same. So I was reading, I think it was IGN's preview. I was looking it over. And uh, one of the things they were saying was basically, um, so with the unique animals, uh, there's a possum in the game. 
And the possum, the guy was saying he was playing the game, and the possum was playing dead. Or And he thought it was dead, and he went to pick it up, and then it, like, attacked him. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's how possums play dead in real life. We wanted to, uh, to give that to the possum. So they're really going above and beyond uh, with this game. Um, I'm also going to hire, like, a bunch of zoologists to, like, come in. I'm going to tell my brother, who's, like, big into hunting that's probably the best hunting simulator because apparently like depending on where you shoot animals and stuff like that um if you shoot it in like a certain spot like the pelt will be better you get from it and it'll sell for more money because you shot it like behind the heart so you don't ruin the pelt versus if you shoot it like in the butt or something like that so (laughs) what we're saying is two things here one we're gonna have a whole bunch of people who buy this game and literally spend hundreds and hundreds of hours going like there's a story in here. I just thought I killed every animal in the game at least once. And to, so now what you're saying, Jeff, you know, they can track you with the wind and everything and a predator might pick up your scent and all. So you're saying that rather than just having cougars attack us randomly for absolutely no reason, cougars will attack us for a reason now randomly still. That's what they're saying. Yeah. That, that's what they're saying. <laughs> so uh, I think it's really, really cool. And I'm excited to see all these things. Like there was even like a screenshot of, guy fighting like a alligator or something like that so kind of almost reminds me of like horizon zero dawn where throughout that game you were constantly finding different animals that you know Mm -hmm. behaved and interacted differently with the world and with you so i'm excited to just kind of see how different all those encounters are and you know hopefully it is really fun tracking all those animals um i will say i am a little bit reserved on this because i am getting kind of worried to the point where i'm like is there going to be too many things to do in this game? Or if I do just want to explore the narrative, am I going to be forced to, you know, go hunt for my colony for four hours? Like, I don't know. So hopefully it's as good and as fun as it sounds, but, uh, well, and the, yeah, the one know. thing that will be kind of advantageous to them is that they are releasing the online later on. So it's not yeah. coming out right away. So there's a possibility that people actually get to experience and play some of the game before they get sucked into the world of online. I, I do think it'll be an absolutely huge game. This will be one of those games that just you will spend an hour a day playing for like a month in a row or something like that, where there's always something you're going to be doing. It's going to be a huge world. And I think hopefully they do a good job of making sure that the world is continually fun to come back to. Yeah. Well, we only got a month left to wait. So uh, let us know if you're excited Are you guys Red Dead and it's 200 animals. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys like, pretty much day one on red dead or are you like waiting for a sale or or where are you guys at with it right now uh i'm not i'm not going to be picking this one up at launch as exciting as it as it looks um i i usually don't pick up rockstar games that being said red dead is my favorite of all their games so i'll pick yeah. it up eventually i'm sure but uh yeah i'm not gonna get it right away it's not like your most anticipated game no no not for me okay. Okay. With the with a couple of the other big games that came out this year, obviously some games that I'm kind of looking at picking up are like God of War, Spider Man, and obviously Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So this one's kind of a sometime next year I'll probably pick it up. Solid, solid, dude. God of War is super good. I know. I, 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 almost I really Spider Man. I really want to play God of War <laughs> and Spider Man because those are the two games that you guys have been talking up as game of the year. So yep, it's yeah. true. Those are the two For best sure. games this year that I've played. Um, all right. In the way to PlayStation. Speaking of PlayStation, yeah. yeah. Or Nintendo, I'm sure, uh, was very curious about this new announcement. Hey, this is the non-Nintendo show. Stop talking, Mr. Nintendo. Well, PlayStation <laughs> has announced the PlayStation Classic 
Um, Sony has. And this is not an NES Classic, not a Super Nintendo Classic, not an N64 Classic like I know Rob wants. This is the PlayStation Classic, same name. Comes with HDMI cord and a USB charge cable. Little mini console about you know a quarter of the size of the original PlayStation. Comes preloaded with 20 games, with save states. Uh, you can play them two all on your HD t- TV. Yeah, two controllers or the original PlayStation, not DualShock. Not the DualShock. Just not the reason. DualShocks. Right. So, um, yeah, so this is coming out the first week of December for $100. Um, in comparison, the NES Classic was $60 with 30 games on it, and the Super Nintendo Classic was $80 with uh, 20 games on it. So, um, yeah, it's here. PlayStation is going to try to capitalize on that nostalgia. The five games they announced is Final Fantasy VII, Tekken Three, Ridge Racer, Type Four, and some games called Jumping Flash and Wild Arms. Um, let me know if you're a really big PlayStation one fan and you have fond memories of all five of these games. I know they're marketing towards, you know, the, the old school, the hardcore PlayStation fans. Uh, but what about you guys? I know both of you didn't really have PlayStations growing up. Is this something Rob, that you're interested with or no? Rob, I'll let oh. you talk. Cause didn't you have a PlayStation? I didn't have a PlayStation. I had a PlayStation two, but oh, okay. it had the okay. backwards compatibility. So you could play PlayStation one games on it. Um, I played Final Fantasy VII, and I've played Tekken III um, of this PlayStation Classic. This is an interesting move to me. I think it's a it's a good move, but I also think that they're really going to have to put out some big games on this one and make this really worth people's time. Otherwise, it's just, especially at $100 for 20 games. I mean, Final Fantasy VII is coming out as a remaster or remake remaster in, you know, at least three years. Um, so... <laughs> Well, and if, and the original PS One version has pretty much been ported to everything. Like it's even coming to Switch like soon. Like it, it's already oh, on yeah. PS Four and PS Three and stuff. You can buy Final Fantasy Seven on Steam. I mean, literally, on it's out phone. everywhere on your phone. So there's these are all games that we can pretty much get elsewhere. So that's a hit in their disfavor. So hopefully, they have other games on this that are actually worthwhile. I think so. I think my thoughts are. PlayStation Classic, you kind of have to have Final Fantasy VII just because yeah. so many people really enjoyed that game on the PS1. That game is almost synonymous with the PlayStation, mm-hmm. the original yeah. PlayStation. That's right. uh, Tekken 3 makes sense. I think Ridge Racer was a very good game at the time. It probably hasn't aged very well. Um, and then the other two games, I think, are kind of like maybe cult classics on the original PlayStation, but they certainly can't be good to go back to today i did look up a video of jumping flash which is a first person 3d platformer and it did it's like mirror's edge did not look good <laughs> yeah yeah it was and uh, with no dual shot controller this means you're working with the d-pad yeah yeah and no, no dual shock means there's certain games that won't come out on it like ape escape like that required the dual shock so you're not gonna be able to play games yeah. like that um, See, my fondest memory of the PlayStation 1 was Dave Hoffman's BMX game. <laughs> and so if they put that on the PlayStation Classic, I'm sold. Probably yeah. not. That I'm pretty sure you can like buy that was... for like maybe 20, uh, 25 cents at a used game store, though. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably. I think my biggest con- confuse, um, why I'm confused about this, is PlayStation came out. They said, hey, it's launching in a couple months. It's 100 bucks, But they've only revealed five of the 20 games that are coming, like... Even Nintendo, when they released their their other classics, they did the service saying, hey, these are all the games that are coming with it. Like, people are pre-ordering and putting money down on these things when they have 
no idea what three quarters of the games on this thing are going to be. So mm. that's like, I don't know if PlayStation didn't nail down the deals with all the games yet, or I wonder why they chose not to reveal all of them. Yeah, it seems seems like an odd timing uh, for sure to not yeah. reveal more games. Um, I'm I'm hoping that they get some some more bigger games like we talked about. Specifically, uh, the Spyro games and uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Those are a couple games that I didn't really get to play, but I've always wanted to, and I'd totally be more interested if those games were on there. But I have a feeling those won't make it because Spyro's getting remastered, and they want you to buy pay $40 for that game. And yeah. uh, Symphony of the Night hasn't really ever been ported or included, so um, I'd love to see that game on there, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let us know PlayStation Classic um, if you guys are interested in this. And yeah, moving on. PlayStation also was in the news this week because PlayStation Now, their streaming service, has now added downloads. So Nathan, I know you, you and I um, have tested out PlayStation Now a little bit, um, where you're pretty much streaming games. Does this make you more excited about the service, or? make you want to use the service now you know you can just straight up download some of the games on there um it definitely makes it more interesting to me um it seems like this was the big secret thing that nintendo the playstation 6.0 update for like uh, it's just general stability and no one really knew what was behind it it seems like this was the thing that they yeah. were getting ready for um the fact it has a uh, playstation downloads it only has downloads for the ps4 games that are on playstation now and the ps2 games the playstation 3 games you can't download you still have to stream <laughs> i assume just because of the cell processor and the nightmare of trying yeah. to do those is too hard um so i think it definitely makes it a little bit more competitive with um xbox game pass mm-hmm. uh i did see today microsoft announced that you can now get game pass for a hundred dollars a year instead of just ten dollars a month which is the same price as uh, playstation now if you pay for it um all at the same time, $100 a year. So That's they're cool. kind of responding responding to that. Um, I still think Xbox has a much better game selection. They put all of their first-party new games out there on Xbox Game Pass. For this, it's mostly just PS3 games, which are still streaming, a few kind of older PS4 games, and then I don't know what the PS2 is. Yeah, there's not really any big marquee games on PS now. It's more of like a, a backlog, which with me and my PlayStation, I'm like, I don't need more games in the backlog. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess it could be a nice feature, you know, for those who are maybe new to the system and wanting to try out some um, a variety of games. For I, it, it encourages me that Nintendo seems to be taking Xbox Game Pass seriously Sony. as a competitor. Or yeah, sorry, Sony. Good, good, goodness. Sony is, and hopefully they'll be continuing to look to improve that service and make yeah. it better in the future. Good, good to be competitive um, for sure. I will say, yeah. I have been pretty happy with how well Xbox Game Pass works. It's pretty easy to browse and download um, everything on there. And I I will say just my one problem, it's nothing against PlayStation or Xbox, just when you have 100 different games that you can access and play anytime, it gives you no motivation to really want to play or finish any of those games. So, like, mm-hmm. I downloaded, like, six games off Game Pass. I'm like, oh, I've been wanting to kind of maybe try those games, and I've only gotten, to like, two of them. And I don't know, it, it's just a different than, you know, when you're actually investing your own money and you're buying a game. You're like, oh, I'm totally going to buy this. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's just me, but <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's totally a thing when you spend your own money on it, put some of uh, something of worth behind it versus getting it for free or for not. It's, it's different. You're correct. Yeah. Um, all right. So Nathan, our last news piece here has to come with, uh, one of your favorite fighting games. 
Yeah, so uh, Soul Calibur 6, which releases uh, the third week of October, I believe. I forget the exact date. But um, they announced they are doing a network test uh, upcoming this weekend. So that's September 28th through the 30th. Uh, you can download the game on PSN. And uh, so network test. You get to kind of play online with other people, I assume, for like three yeah. days. Um, it'll feature 15 playable different characters from the game and then nine stages. So wow, just a good way good. To, to test out the game and check it out. Um if you're interested that's actually but... a pretty impressive roster of characters and sages for a network test yeah you know a lot of a lot of them are like here there's five playable characters and two <laughs> stages or one stage exactly. but no 15 characters and nine stages i mean you have way better chance to test out a whole bunch of characters so that's that's really cool yeah yeah I, it... i'm pretty sure we're gonna be playing that a lot this weekend <laughs> it sounds yeah sounds like we... a lot of fun Jeff, you and I played played the demo at PAX, which was really, really fun. So I'm sure I'll totally. download it and check I'm it hope, out. I'm hoping we can play with friends, because I remember when the Dragon Ball Fighters uh, online test came out, it didn't really let you play with friends. You can only play with random people. So um, hopefully we can play against each other and uh, try that out, because that would be a ton of fun to to uh, check out that game again. Soul Calibur is always a ton of fun, and this game just looks so, so pretty and so flashy, and it's just... Um, really fun to just mess around with all the different characters and see the changes and updates they made so yeah, so yeah look for that if you are interested in fighting games you can uh, try out Soul Calibur 6 for free and it's a ton of fun alrighty well let's go ahead and jump into our main segment for today I have a history lesson for you guys about a little studio named Telltale Games now <laughs> Telltale obviously has been pretty big studio and we've seen a lot of releases from them in recent years um but they were actually have been around for quite a while since uh 2004 they were established on october 4th of 2004 founded by kevin bruner dan connors and troy molander and uh basically these were all guys who worked at lucas arts um on a lot of those adventure games like monkey island um grim fandango um you know, full throttle, the tentacle, full throttle, those type of games. Um, and basically what happened at LucasArts is they kind of lost faith in, you know, this whole adventure game. Um, they weren't selling as well. The genre wasn't really expanding or really changing. And so they kind of said, you know, we're not going to be making these games anymore. And so a bunch of these former devs from LucasArts formed together to form their own studio in California named Telltale Games. And basically their mission was just they believed in these adventure games. They, Even though LucasArts wouldn't really let them make it anymore, they thought, hey, we can still make these adventure games, make them compelling and do new things. And, you know, they're not not just going to die off, you know, with the new gaming generation or anything. That's one of my favorite things about Telltale Games is that it's that spiritual successor to a lot of this LucasArts adventure games and, like, just took that whole style and that feel about, you know, exploring and doing the puzzles and everything and just made them so great and so much fun. So it's cool to hear yeah. that, you know, they, I didn't realize That's that literally they what they all from, from. LucasArts like is those yeah. developers. Yeah. So yeah, definitely really cool um, that, you know, they didn't give up on their dream or just go off to some other studio. They really, you know, say, Hey, we want to keep doing this. And so basically 2005, they worked on just a couple projects to keep really, um, you know, the studio open and afloat. Um, so they made a Telltale Poker game, um, an episodic game about the comic strip Bone, and then a couple CSI games that kind of went together with the TV show. Um, and all three of those were pretty simplistic games. Um, it was the first time they used the Telltale engine, which was called Telltale 2. And 
that's something Telltale's definitely gotten some flack on in the recent years is they haven't really changed their engine since 2004. They've definitely updated it for modern consoles and stuff like that, but um, they've been working with definitely an outdated engine for most of the studio's um, lifespan. But um, yeah, so this engine was made 2005. Um, Bone was really one of the first episodic games really in gaming. Um, mm. They only made, I think, two of the episodes and then they ended up canceling the other two. Um, so I don't, it wasn't really that big of a hit or anything, but that's kind of, I think, where they got the idea initially. Um, and basically, those three games tied, the, tied them over for a year until 2006 came around where they released Sam and Max Save the World. Um, and Rob, did you play Sam and Max at all? This is with an old uh, LucasArts adventure game. I played a little bit of one of the ones, like, way back in the day. So um, I'm familiar with Sam and Max, but... I yeah. haven't played enough to be like I'm an expert and a huge <laughs> fan def- of the games. But. It definitely is like that '90s vibe where it's like anthropo anthropomorphic animal, you know, people acting as humans. Sam and Max are like a dog and a rabbit. They're like kind of like police detectives, and you're going around solving mysteries and crimes. And they really loved this world and wanted to make a new game in it. Uh, but basically, LucasArts said, "Yeah, we're not going to give you this IP that we own for Sam and Max, and so you can't make it." But basically, the rights reverted in 2006. And so as soon as the LucasArts rights expired, the creator of Sam Max said, oh, you know, here, take the IP, run with it. Um, and so he gave it to Telltale. They made the game in 3D for the first time because it was all 2D hand-drawn stuff before. Um, so, yeah, it was six episodes. It was received really, really well. And it was really the first big, successful, episodic game um, in video games. And this is in 2006. So this was like the year that the Wii and the PS3 came out. So, like, a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was in 2006. Um, that game did really, really well. And uh, basically, that provided more revenue for them to keep on with these adventure games. So, the next game that they put out was Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. Which oh, my god! It's a Homestar home Runner game. I think I might remember this game. Yeah, it came out on the Wii, the Wii originally. It was a WiiWare game. It mm-hmm. launched on the Wii and I think PC as well. Um, and it was yeah. episodic. It went for ran for about seven, eight months, and there was five episodes. And that game also got really, really good reviews. And it had you know the full voice acting, and they kept the animations oh, and everything Homestar very Runner. original to the Homestar Runner website. Which we got to know what Homestar Runner is. Here. Go do some research yeah. because <laughs> it's hilarious. That's literally what I was going to say. I was like, if you do not know who Homestar Runner is and Strong Bad and this whole <laughs> cast of characters, you have to go look this up. I have this game in my Steam library. I got a whole, like, Telltale bundle of games oh, and nice. stuff once. And so Strong Bad's on the list of, like, I will get there eventually. But, man, I love Strong Bad. So I mean, if the fact can... that there's this game that's called Cool Game for Attractive yes, People exactly. just makes me laugh. If you can tell from the title, like, it's a very ridiculous, humorous game. Um, Sam and Max also is... Per- pretty humorous too you know didn't take itself too seriously or anything um but yeah i think when a lot of people think of telltale they kind of think of really serious storytelling because that's what they've kind of been in the business of in the last you know six years but really they were keeping with that same quirky kind of funny um feel of those old adventure games from the 90s and so i think strong bad was a nice fit for them and a nice ip that they were able to use and uh that game also sold uh, pretty well. It had modest sales. Um, and then the next year, 2009, they basically made a new uh, Monkey Island game. And so by this time, um, 
LucasArts had kind of seen what they did with Sam and Max and with Strong Bad, and they kind of said, okay, we're in, kind of interested in bringing back adventure games now. We'll partner with you. We'll let you make a new Monkey Island game because you guys know how to make these games. You have you know the experience of working on them with us at LucasArts, and you've kind of proven your own as a studio. And so uh, Tales of Monkey Island came out, and that debuted on the WiiWare as well. Um, remember, this is in the heyday of the Wii era where it, there was millions of consoles flying off shelves every week. And so um, lots of people on there downloaded this game, and it also came on PC. But yeah, this was really a partnership with LucasArts. Um, it was the fourth Monkey Island game in the series. And um, I know, yeah. Rob, you would appreciate this. The entire original voice cast uh, returned for this game, too. And it was, took place you know, right after the last uh, the third game that had come out. so It's really, actually the fifth game in the series. What was it, the fifth one? Because there's Monkey Island, Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge, Curse of Monkey Island, Escape from Monkey Island, then Tales of Monkey Island. That's right. Sorry about that. Ooh. Thank you for the correction. Boom! <laughs> you... Monkey Island trivia right there. <laughs> have you have you played this this one, Rob? I have. You have. What do you like? How does it compare to the older kind of original games? It is way different. Really different. Okay. I played the first episode. I haven't played. I mean, it's kind of like you know down the list of games I'm going to play here eventually, but because I'm going to go back and play it yet again but it definitely is a different feel from the original monkey island and monkey island 2 so and i played it right after i beat one and two because three and four were are not really available anywhere three is now available you can buy it on steam and gog um but four is not really available anywhere so i i beat one and two and then played this one i was like this is so weird and so different and i beat the first episode i was like eh, i can't really do this i'll come back to this yeah i mean it yeah. is different the the art style is even different you know it, it looks very different it's 3d rather than the old 2d um look from monkey island so this was made you know in the telltale tool engine and it but was i do really appreciate it the was voice cast pretty coming well. back yeah it, it was received pretty well you know i think mm-hmm. lots of fans you know have very fond memories of the originals and preferred probably the old ones but um, it did well, and it, it. I think, you know, most people, Rob, it sounds like you're still, we're excited that this game did come out and continued the series. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, yeah, after Tales of Monkey Island in 2009, um, basically, Telltale has grown. You know, they attracted LucasArts to trust them with Monkey Island, and now they're starting to get um, IPs to work with. So they're getting big IPs. They're making partnerships with big companies. The The company is really starting to grow, Um it's grown from maybe a studio of about 70 people up to 90, 100, about 140 um, employees through the end of 2010. So really, really started growing. The studio started doing really well because they made a partnership with Universal Studios. Um, and they basically partnered with them to make two games, Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. Um, so Jurassic Park came out first, and that was you know episodic. Every game's really been episodic since... Um, the Sam and Max Save the World, and Jurassic Park was really the first game that they really had quick time events, which, you know, we think of Telltale games pretty much nowadays, is there's always those little quick time events where you're pushing X to, you know, jump at the, just the right time, or, you know, punch, or whatever it is. And so, uh, first, three, first use of quick time events was in that game, and also the time-limited choices popped up in that game, which wasn't really a thing in uh, most adventure games, or even RPGs, you know, think of games like maybe Mass Effect or 
you know, the old Bioware games or really any RPG where you have dialogue options. Usually you can sit there as long as you want and choose what you want to say. But Jurassic Park was the first one where, you know, there was a timer and you had to pick what dialogue you wanted to say. Uh, otherwise, you know, the timer would run out and there might be consequences. And instantaneously we get the... We get the famous telltale feeling of, oh gosh, I chose the wrong one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You feel feel a little bit more pressure that, you know, you need to make the right choice and you need to, you know, think quickly and you know be engaged in the story. So I actually really like that there's a timer for most things. And, you know, sometimes silence is a valid option. Sometimes I don't say anything, either on accident or purpose. And it was it's always interesting to me how the characters react to your silence, too. So, um so yeah, that was that. in 2010, and they also <laughs> had the partnership with Universal to make Back to the Future, and this was really the the first huge game for Telltale. This was the game that really mm-hmm. put them on on the map uh, for you know developers and publishers everywhere. Was yeah. uh, Back to the Future was episodic, sold very very well, um, was very true to the original uh, movies, and mm-hmm. basically this game was what really let them grow and get bigger and give us the great games to stay so everyone who went and bought back to the future thank you because that was pretty much the reason we got all these great games um you know afterwards because this is really really ballooned and i think they said something like most of our games i read a quote from the ceo said you know most of our games had to sell about a hundred thousand copies to break even uh with how much you know development time we put into them and this game um sold over double that like within you know it's year of release already so like it was making a profit very very quickly and wasn't just you know breaking even like some of their other past games were so which it's a fantastic game yeah that i was i was pretty impressed by how well the voice acting and just oh, yeah. the, the feel and the writing like it did feel like that old like 80s you know steven spielberg vibe so um de- definitely had some of that magic that uh telltale has i played through this game right after watching all three of the back to the futures all at the same time so like watch all three back to back and then like that next week or two i played through this game and so it was just literally like i just kept going with the story it felt so good to play that game and right after because you're like wow it feels like exactly it slipped right into the whole narrative of back to the future and it was a perfect fit so yeah and you know when you really take on ip or a franchise especially like a movie or something that's so iconic or has so many fans like Jurassic Park or Back to the Future. It's, it can be really daunting. And, you know, if you don't meet gamers' expectations of what those characters mean to them or how they perceive them, you know, it can be not received well very easily and can be criticized. But this game did very well, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So because this game sold very well, this led to Telltale getting their next partnership where they partnered with Warner Brothers, which gave them, in my opinion, uh, the two best franchises um, that Telltale has worked on, which is The Walking Dead and Fables. And so The Walking Dead is really, you know, the first big, amazing game that really was like, hey, this isn't just a great adventure game or a great, you know, small game. This is a game of the year game. And literally, The Walking Dead Season 1 won the um, Spike Video Game Awards, like the Game of the Year in 2012. So this game, like, won Game of the Year Awards the game it came out, or the year it came out, which, you know, you think nowadays, I can't really imagine a a game like this really winning Game of the Year with mm-hmm. so many, you know, big open-world games and how crazy triple games are, triple-A games. But this game really just yeah. shook gaming because there wasn't really any games that really provided a story like this. It 
they kind of leaned away from the puzzles that you know they had kind of always been in the adventure genre you think of all those old LucasArts games you're always solving puzzles by clicking things and finding items and putting them in the right spot in the map um but this really went away from the puzzles and just gave you a very emotional and cinematic story that felt like you were watching a movie and you were a part of a movie and the story ones really revolved around your choice like i'll never forget the end of the first episode that i played i was so gripped by this story and basically there's zombies attacking you in this building and you literally had to choose just spur of the moment with the timer like who do you choose this person or this person to go help and save and i saved i think it was lily and the other guy just died and that person was no longer in my playthrough and i've talked to other people who saved the other guy and they've had you know a very different experience of that you know moments with that character in their game so really gave you a lot of choice for the first time and this is really what kind of telltale leaned into going on into after the walking dead so pretty much every game afterwards you saw lots of dialogue and emotional story moments and choices where the dialogue trees would be remembered in future games like we all remember the first time we saw clementine will remember that like yeah <laughs> you're like, like crap the, the game and the characters are paying attention to exactly what i'm saying and what i'm doing and you can bet at least once you're gonna make a decision that you're going to regret later on like that's just part of the story and it makes for and there really, were so really many moments where it's like there's like moments where you were doing like they gave you the sentence like you chose to do something you're doing it and then just story just like blows it up exactly um <laughs> i you know and it just you i felt like i said what the what a hundred <laughs> like you know throw my hands up put my hands on my head going like what the what no way did that just happen like i all throughout this game it was so good and it was so there were so many twists and turns that you're just kind of like wait no yeah and it almost like spawned a genre in itself um not only because of the multiple walking or not walking dead but uh telltale games that went on to be made after this but other games that didn't um weren't exactly the same but that were very similar in their very heavy focus on story and kind of just walking around the environment and learning from the environment Mm -hmm. um before this i don't remember a game that had such a heavy emphasis on story and since then i've played so many different games where it's like oh it's just a story game and you're just trying to figure out what happened or um get to know these characters Mm. yeah totally i think of like Life is Strange, uh, mm-hmm. Firewatch, Gone Home. Like, there's been so many games since then where you're really, like you said, Nathan, walking around, interacting, having a story told to you through, you know, the environment and your relationships with characters. Um, yeah. So it's it's been really cool to see definitely the effect that The Walking Dead has had on people. And, you know, this, this game, Walking Dead Season 1, it made, you know, it was on our top 50 games of all time list. Like this, it's a game that every gamer I think should really play and. You know, everyone who's finished this season remembers, you know, the emotional moments and gut punches that come um, in this season. So definitely and, go back and check out this uh, season one of Walkie Dead if you have not played it yet. Yeah. And one one more thing is just, uh, I think the other thing is, obviously this game got big because of the IP and the license and how big the Walking Dead TV show was at the time and the comics started getting, getting big as well. But I think you can enjoy this game even if you like i don't really like the walking dead tv show i'm not a huge zombie fan and i still really enjoyed my time with this game despite Mm -hmm. the fact that i don't enjoy any of the things it kind of offers 
Yeah, exactly. That's the funny thing, because Nathan, you don't really like zombie games. You don't no, really like I... the zombie... You are like, you have a whole rant against the zombie trend, yes. which is hilarious. But this is a zombie game that you felt like you loved and enjoyed. Yeah, exactly. That's yep. how good it was. And if, if you like good storytelling, you're going to like this game. Like That's <laughs> that's the, the matter there. And just amazing voice acting um, and just really memorable performances there too. But yeah, so this game sold over 1 million copies in its first 20 days, which was unheard of for, you know, an adventure game, um, story-driven game like this at the time. And basically after about two years of sales, they made over 40 million bucks and so this was mega money for telltale and just with how well received this game was got everyone excited for you know the future episodes of the walking dead you know they marketed this as season one so they were planning additional seasons to continue the narrative and um yeah basically what happens next is they continue to start working on the walking dead season two but they have grown the studio again, so they can now support um, developing another title at the same time, which is where we get the title based off the comic series Fables, which is basically it's an Eisner-winning comic uh, book, which um, you know very very um, well received critically uh, comic book series that takes basically fable characters like uh, Snow White, Cinderella, you know uh, Three Little Pigs, takes those characters, throws them into a weird a real world and has them adjust to living, you know, in a suburb of New York city, which sounds really weird, but is a really, really cool, interesting story. And it's a very kind of dark, uh, thriller, uh, take on it. Yeah. So. Just a warning before you, you're like, Oh, that sounds really interesting. I want to go check out the comics with my children. It is no. really mature rated, yes. um, very violent sexual content, that sort of thing, which is not what we get in the telltale game. Exactly. As much. Um, and in the telltale, um, games really from Walking Dead onwards, they did kind of lean a little bit more mature for sure. Uh, with yeah. Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, and most of the other games we're going to talk about are more mature um, games for adults. Um, and then, you know, they did do Minecraft and a couple other games, like some superhero games that would probably be more appropriate for kids and teens and stuff. But a majority of the games are more adult adventures for sure. Um, but yeah, Wolf Among Us, it came out in 2013, uh, and this was based on Fables. And the cool thing is, is this was definitely had the blessing of the Fables creator, and he was all in for this game. And he, you know, said, "Hey, you know, the story told in this game is canon. I loved the script that they did with it, and it's basically a prequel to the comics. So you don't need to read the comics to enjoy it or understand." Um, but yeah, you play as Sheriff Bigby, aka the Big Bad Wolf, and Snow White is kind of the female lead who um, is another main character in the game. And you interact with tons of different characters, and you're solving a mystery. And there's lots of you know, drama, there's thriller aspects, there's kind of supernatural mm -hmm. aspects to the stories too, and you never really know what's going to happen. And there's just crazy moments where it gets, you know, takes complete right turns and U-turns that you don't see coming. But um, this is probably my favorite, uh, this is my favorite Telltale game outside of The Walking Dead Season 1. I, I did not expect to enjoy this game as much as I did since it was a very mature themed game, but I really, really love the world building that they did in this game. And... Yeah. If, if you trust Steam reviews at all, um, its average score on Steam is a 10 out of 10 and has over 21,000 reviews. Like This is an overwhelmingly positive reviewed game for people who have played it. So um, if you like you know, a more mature thriller detective uh, type story or interested in you know, the fable world, this is a game you should not skip on. Yeah. Um, so 
after The Wolf Among Us, uh, we got 2014's Tale of the Borderlands. And this was the first adaption of a basically different genre of video game. Like, they took the Borderlands games, which are shooting games, you know, first-person shooter, looter shooters, and said, hey, we're going to make this into a game that's not at all like Borderlands, where instead it's story-driven, and we're telling a narrative, and there's not that much shooting in it. And it worked really, really well. It focused on the comedy rather than, um, I would say, like, more, you know, violent or you know, crazy mature themes. It was just really, really funny. It wasn't as serious or dramatic as The Walking Dead. And um, I can remember many moments from this game where I was just laughing because of the ridiculousness in this game. Uh, there was actually a developer tweet that went around this week of someone was wondering, like, hey, like, how did... Uh, there's a scene where the main character is running through the hallways, um, flipping <laughs> off cameras. <laughs> and they're like, like, why did you do that? Like, what was the story behind that? I said, oh, well, our early script said, you know, we wanted... Re- Reese, the character, running through the hallway, flipping off the marnels, like like grabbing the monitors and throwing them on the ground. But instead, this is what the animation team sent back, and we thought it was hilarious, so we just went with it. So like, just tons of you know crazy random things. This team just had a lot of fun with it. There's a amazing scene where all the main characters have a giant finger gun battle, where they like dramatically die when they get shot by finger guns. And this game made me interested in Borderlands. I did not like Borderlands before this game. And it is such a well job of selling me on that world that I went and picked up the Borderlands games after playing this, which is probably what the whole scheme was, right? So, oh yeah, exactly. definitely, it was gotcha. definitely a marketing thing. Yeah, which I will say, I don't enjoy the Borderlands games as much as Tales of the Borderlands, and I'm sad we're not going to get another Tales of the Borderlands game. Uh, no, yeah. I think I I played most of this game. I haven't finished it, but I think I played uh, four of the five episodes, and I really enjoyed what I played of it. And I think it felt very kind of unique because it was at this point that we were starting to get more um, Telltale games and they started to get a little bit samey and stuff like that. And this felt very unique because it was a lot more focused on comedy and um, kind of being funny and goofy and over the top versus such serious drama storytelling. Yeah, it was a good good, uh, change of pace for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that came out in 2014. So this is, you know, right when, you know, modern consoles are coming out, PS4, Xbox One, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but basically, the last couple of years of Telltale is kind of a different story because, you know, Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, Tales of Borderlands all received well, sold pretty well. They've grown into a massive company by now, over 300 developers. Um, but basically, in the last three years, since, you know, 2015, they've kind of overdone it where they've been developing nine games. The CEO basically said, hey, you know, we're going to be developing four games at once. Um, we're going to continually get these games and episodes out. So like there, there'll be episodes coming out at the same time for multiple different games, um, throughout the year. Um, this, you know, supposedly, as I'm sure most of you could imagine, put a lot of stress on the dev- on the developers and the dev teams. There was lots more crunching, um, uh, because, you know, there was always people in the studio, you know, stressed and trying to crunch trying to and finish, finish one things game off. One. And yeah, there wasn't really that, you know, breathing time before you start on the next project really. Um, so this was, I think, a bad decision, you know, looking back because we look at all these games that have come out since then, and I'm not going to say any of them have been terrible, but the quality has definitely gone down from what we've kind of it come to expect in the original Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us and stuff. I, I would say they're fun games. They're just not like, you know, Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, Tales of the Borderlands, or like games that can compete for Game of the Year, like Walking Dead won Game of the Year, but... 
you know, these games were fun, but they weren't that same high quality. And so people were kind of getting burned out by that. Like, they're like, we want that good quality game. And there were, even if there was a good quality one in the middle of of them, there were so many Telltale games that people kind of were like, I have seen this before. I know kind of what's going to happen. I know what the gameplay is, how this is going to play out. And so it wasn't as unique. And so it just got to the case of people being like, kind of getting burned out on this one genre that they did yeah exactly since since all these games you know were pretty similar and the way they were ran and like you know even the engine you know it's this is still the same engine like the game runs and has weird hiccups and glitches that they've had since you know the walking dead and earlier and stuff um yeah there was a little bit of burnout so basically these games were game of thrones they did season one of that uh minecraft story mode uh batman uh, walk more Walking Dead seasons, and then Guardians of the Galaxy. And man, Guardians of the Galaxy was was probably the low light for me, which is so sad because I love Marvel and I love the Guardians. And that one was sad to me because it felt like a uninspired version of the like movies of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, where they didn't have the license and IP to make a direct movie based game, but they pretty much based everything off the movie. But it wasn't the movie, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it was trying to be the movie, but it wasn't. And it wasn't really their own unique take on it like they've done with some of the other um, IPs that they've been working with. Um, so that one definitely kind of made me a little dis- a bit disappointed. But I did enjoy Batman um, for when I played. Batman was actually the first one where they did really use a new engine. Um, they also added in a feature to do crowd play, which was kind of cool, where you could stream the game yeah. and people could vote on the decisions that you're making. Um, so you could kind of, you know, let let a crowd play with you. Or even just, you know, in a family room, if you wanted to play with five or six people, you could all vote on what you wanted Batman to do or say, which was um, a pretty pretty cool idea at the time. Um, yeah, I think I think they knew how big of an IP Batman was and kind of used that as a, hey, this is kind of a launching point of the new Telltale because at that point we had gotten into the, oh, it's just another Telltale game. Yeah, yeah I was just trying to think, you know, when I look at my, my Steam library of what Telltale games I own, I have all the way up to the Game of Thrones. I've seen in uh, two of The Walking Dead, and um, but after that, other than the Batman game, I really haven't picked up any Telltale games because they just were coming out so fast, and I didn't have enough time to be like, I'm gonna drop thirty or forty dollars on every single one of these. Yeah, and even people like us who really love these adventure games, <laughs> like we just at a certain point couldn't keep up, or you know, just said, you know, I'll wait for the one that I really like and. You know, I feel like we kind of have to talk about how most gamers have played these games by getting them in bundles, like you said, Rob, or yeah. for a sale, or they gave a lot of these games away for free on PSN and Xbox Live. And, you know, at a certain point, it just came the expectation that, hey, why would I, you know, spend 20, 30 bucks to buy the game at launch and wait for the five seasons to come out when I know the whole thing's just going to be on sale for, you know, five, 10 bucks in a few months? That was yeah. literally, I think, one of the Batmans. It was. I think, like, not before the full season had even come out. Like, they were on episode four or something like that, and there was, like, a $15 sale on the entire season instead of the normal $30 or something. Yeah, I think that's where I picked it up. I picked it up for, like, 10 bucks or something like that, yeah. the whole Batman, the first one. And um, it just, you know, People... it was nice to get it that cheap, but the fact that it was that cheap, and that was only a few months after it came out. The last episode came out, like, maybe a month before I bought it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you know this, I think 
you know, where you think, oh, you know, they, they always come on sale, you know, they've sold well, and now we're just picking up the sale version. Well, basically, we now know Telltale was not selling as many copies of those games as they had hoped, and they did kind of overextend and <clears throat> stretch themselves a little bit thin, where um, basically in March of 2017, the CEO, um, Kevin Bruner, one of the original founders, he basically leaves, but it comes out later that he was kind of forced out by the board, and they had a lot of creative differences, and they were very upset, you know, how all these games weren't selling very well, and they had too many games in development at once. Um, and basically, he ends up suing to Telltale, and they had to settle outside of court and stuff like that because of, you know, differences and um, upset things. And that basically avalanches all these problems for Telltale, where November of that year, they cut 75 jobs, and, you know, the studio starts to shrink. Um, and basically... Telltale is at the point where then this week last was it when was it that they announced that they were like hey we're we're not focusing we're not doing as many games anymore we're trying to focus on one or two they announced that was kind of, that was season kind of this two. year yeah they that said, was this year okay we're doing yeah. the, the walking dead the, the last season like it's this is literally the ending to clementine's story that has gotten you know over 19 episodes at this point um they said we're only going to focus on that and then we're also you know finishing off the batman this year but really kind of cutting back and focusing um, on more quality, which made people excited, um, you know, and then they started doing some crazy deals where they put out the collection of all the original Walking Dead games in a collection for PS4 remastered. Um, I ended up picking that up because it came with a free copy of the new Walking Dead last season. So, like, I got both of those. I think it was worth 20 bucks, which looking back, I'm like, oh, that's why it's on sale because the company was not doing good and they needed money desperately. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This last week, they cut 250 jobs, which is over 90% of the studio. And so basically, there's 25 people still working at Telltale like today, and they're just there to finish the Minecraft series that they were obligated to finish with Netflix. And so they're finishing that. Episode 2 of the last season of Walking Dead literally came out today, and it's not planned to finish at this point. Um, they did come out and say, though, that the final season might be coming, after they announced kind of the closure of, you know, 250 people lost their jobs, you know, we're canceling Wolf Among Us 2, which was supposed to come out this year, and they pushed to next year, and now it's canceled. Um, game of yeah. Thrones is not getting another season. They had a Stranger Things game plan that's not going to be happening, at least by Telltale. Although, yeah, Netflix has talked about they're going to they're gonna feel it out for other studios. Maybe talk to the guys who did Life is Strange. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, with how big Stranger Things is, They'll find someone to put out a game for it, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we we kind of in this the, weird state now where the Walking Dead final season they said might be coming, and they're looking at other partners to possibly try to finish off that story because you know the voice actor for Clementine and all these other people are like, yeah, you know this is stupid that it's not being finished. We don't know what the status of the project is, and these 250 people who got laid off literally got laid off with no warning, just came into work. Oh, you're done. You get no severance pay, no 30-day, 60-day warning or anything. You're done. And it's kind of this weirdly sad, crazy situation that we're in now. Um, and did you hear what happened there? So they released all the, after the meeting. They said you have 30 minutes to clear out your stuff and get out. And then minutes. yesterday, Monday. Oh, my goodness. That, that is crazy. I did not hear that part. But we're able to come back in. Yeah, yesterday they were able to come back in and they had three hours to get all their personal stuff out and leave. Wow. That 
is crazy. Like, I, I literally, they just basically said, good. you gotta... Yeah, and this isn't, like, 250 people and, losing their jobs within, like, like, the last week. So, you, you know, with The Walking Dead, the final season... Wait, what? Sorry, Rob, Rob you're kind of cutting in and out a little bit, but... Um, I was trying to say that this isn't just 250 people who have lost their jobs over the last year. This is like, you know, they weren't slowly cutting people off every couple months. This was, you know, a massive, hey, everyone, you're out of the jobs. We've run out of money. Um, yeah. There's rumors that, you know, some of their backing partners like Lionsgate had invested a lot of money and Telltale just kind of pulled out and said, you know, no more, we're done. And so I don't know how unavoidable this was. You know, they've obviously been kind of on a downward slope and have been in trouble with the CEO leaving and, you know, the legal issues that they had, but yeah, um, I don't know. I really am saddened, especially about the walking dead. Um, since, you know, I do have that last season pre-ordered and I'm less sad about, Oh man, I paid for something that I'm not going to get. Cause I literally got, I literally am going to get half a game. It looks like, but, um, I just really am invested in Clementine and the stories that, yeah. you know, we've been playing like what, like over 30 episodes in this world with Clementine and the characters in that universe. And, you know, we're all very invested in what might happen. And if we don't really see a resolution to that and it just is canceled forever, that would be very, very sad. So I don't know. This is, this is interesting. Um, I guess to kind of close off our conversation here, um, what do you guys kind of hope happens next? Like, you know, I guess realistically we'd hope that someone just swoops in and rehires everyone and everything's good. But like, what, what do you kind of hope, you know, comes down the pipeline in the future for Telltale and all those cut employees? Here's the one thing that I really hope. Um, the Walking Dead final season, obviously, uh, the voice actors have come out. They came out months ago. They've already been doing a tour and everything, and they've talked about how they've already recorded all the dialogue. Mm-hmm. So there's no – so they already have everything, except maybe they haven't animated everything. So – I really want to see them, these 25 that are left, or if they can bring anyone else in or figure out a way to get, you know, just enough backing to put this out. I really want to see them finish the last two episodes of the final season because they're supposed to come out uh, next month and then December, I yeah, believe, right? This year, yeah. Or like November and December when they finish up. So let's get that cranked out. And then I would say let's see if there's a studio out there who wants to hire a bunch of telltale guys. Cause I don't see telltale coming back. Yeah. I think for me, I think the controversy yesterday with kind of telltale tweeting out, Hey, we're going to look for alternative ways to maybe finish the season. And everyone basically saying, Hey, if you can afford to find partners to finish this season, why aren't you paying your employees that you randomly laid off without any warning, any severance at all or anything like that? Um, I think for me, obviously, I'm always going to say people are more important than the game no matter what. Um, yeah. And if that that is the case, then they totally should do that instead of using their capital to find a cheaper way to finish the game or something like that. But I think the outrage is a little bit overdone at this point because we don't know the full story. We don't know if they have the money to be able to do that or if they're just reaching out to other suits and saying, hey, would you be willing to make this or try and find a an investor or something like that or there we don't know what what the actual full story is of that so i don't think we can have the place to say hey why be mad about them not paying the people or be mad about them not finishing the season yeah yeah so obviously this is a story that is continually going to be developing and updating um so we will keep you guys updated uh 
what happens with Telltale and if that final season does come out or what ends up coming. But yeah, it is it is kind of sad because you know we all have so many great memories of playing so many of these Telltale games and think that we're not going to really get them anymore is sad because what made Telltale great were those people that worked there who are now out of a job. So um, I I did see you know a lot of game developers and studios you know. posting on Twitter and different places and, you know, different jobs and applying to different studios. So hopefully all these devs and storytellers and animators and stuff all get picked up by other people and they, uh, you know, continue their storytelling on in other studios and other places. And I think we can just thank Telltale really for bringing back adventure and story-driven games and um, really, you know, giving us some really quality emotional experiences that, uh, you know, we enjoyed as gamers. So... Yeah, yeah, totally. There's, agree. there's the fourteen years. Yep, there you go. <laughs> so rest in peace, Telltale Games. Um, and yeah, that ends our main segment about Telltale. Let us know on Twitter at Haylisten underscore Games um, what your favorite Telltale game is. Um, we'd love to chat with you guys about that. Um, I need to go get a drink of water because I'm feeling kind of sick and my throat is killing me. So we're gonna jump into what you're playing. Rob, go ahead and start us off. All right, so I've been playing a lot of my uh, Steam library. So played uh, Chivalry Medieval Warfare, which is that big online medieval player versus player type game. And is it a? It sounds like a card game. Is it a card game? No, it's swords and bows and arrows and armor, like chivalry, which is the uh, the. It's like you know, first person sword game. First person. Okay. Okay. And it's it's an online game you said it's for the most part it's online so you you there's some single player type things in it but for the most part you play you pick a person and either you're attacking or defending castles or you know all-out wars or stuff like that did you play online because i I didn't make it i didn't make it past the tutorial okay (laughs) i couldn't beat not I literally favorite. could not beat the tutorial because either my computer was too slow or I just was not that good at this type of game. I worked at it, and I've heard this before, that Chivalry Medieval Warfare is really hard to get good at. And the P- if you get onto their online servers, everybody is, like, stupid good, and you just get decimated, and then it takes, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to even get to a point where you can compete with people, let alone be good. So I was like, after getting my butt kicked by the AI in the tutorial, <laughs> I was like, you know, this isn't really that fun. What you're saying well, is, is you'd props... be a terrible LARP, LARPer. Oh, God. I would be an amazing LARPer, <laughs> mostly because I have a very large beard and running into battle with, you know, no shirt on with my self-painted blue and axes <laughs> and stuff would be just terrifying. Great visual. <laughs> but... No, I. This is a game that I'm like, eh, not really my thing. Props, I played a props little. Props to you for even trying, Rob. Well, you know, that's the great thing about the doing the Steam Library playthrough is because I literally am playing a bunch of games that I will never play again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's and all right. I probably I would never have played in the first place. So I played Cluster Truck, which is a fun game. Um, it's that's an enjoyable like jumping puzzle. Jumping on like the semis as you're yeah, running. Right? Yeah, you're jumping on semis. Uh, Sir Mr. Fields is a big fan of this game, so uh, shout out to you, Adam. I played this. I enjoyed it. It's a good game. 
played a game called Cosmonautica, which is another C game, and it was it's kind of fun. I'm gonna play it a little bit more, but it's not like necessarily holding my interest super much. It's kind of like a spaceship simulator mm. type okay. thing. Um, played Call of War as Gunslinger, and I beat it. I actually wow, beat it nice. earlier today, so that was fun. I really enjoyed that game. It had a lot of the like snappy comic book type visuals, as yeah. well as like kind of a comedic style to it. Like, like I said this last week, but there's one point where he's talking, and he's like, you know, going on about this, and they're like, wait, this really happened? He's like, well, maybe not exactly how I'm describing it. And then you like reverse all the way back to the beginning of the level, and it completely changes the level. Huh. Well, well and it's, you know, I think the the craziest thing to me is the fact that how the percentage of your Steam library games that you actually beat, I feel like is probably relatively high to what I would guess guess it is. So yeah, well, good. I feel like I, I pick some games, I'm kind of playing through them, and as I get to certain games, I'm like, this game's not necessarily super long, or this game is really holding my interest a lot, so I try and pound out those games. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've been doing pretty well. Also, this one's kind of a personal success right here. The other night, I played Overcooked. No big deal. By yourself? With my... I so hope with you my wife. Okay, with good. your wife, and your wife does <laughs> not play video games, right? My wife does not play video games, played Overcooked with me, and was actually getting into it. She actually really enjoyed it. Um, Overcooked, of course. And we were playing some levels. It was really funny comparison, you know, comparing, because... My brother, uh, he came down and we played Overcooked a while ago, and we were three-starring everything. There was only a couple levels where we had to repeat it to get a three-star, and there was only one level that just absolutely just kicked our butts, and we couldn't get past the first try. So we just were like, all right, that's probably good. It was like level 4-1 or something like that, or 3-4 or something like that. It was like one of the last, it was like a ways into the game. And with my wife, She's not as intuitive when it comes to video games, so it took us a bunch of tries to beat levels, and yeah, we set yeah. the kitchen on fire multiple times. It was really funny. <laughs> That's that the happens. joy of Overcook. So it was great. Here, it's awesome. Nice, Nathan. What about you? I've been playing basically just two games. I'm kind of in that. I've been jumped back and forth between NBA 2K19 and Destiny 2 Forsaken. Um, it's kind of really refreshing to just these are both games that i've picked up in the last couple of weeks and just they're both games that are very designed to be very replayable games mm-hmm. um with a lot of different things you can do and goals you're working towards and stuff like that so 2k19 i started my online league with a bunch of random people i found on reddit it's going okay so <laughs> nice. far i'm w- one and two we'll see i don't know the online lag is a little bit frustrating but enjoying that and then uh, Destiny 2 Forsaken is just a great game, too. I kind of thought I was done with the entire Destiny universe after, like, the first month of Destiny 2. And Forsaken <laughs> has hooked me back in. And I want to jump on and play it at least a couple times a week and work mm-hmm. on continuing to progress my character. Yeah, so. you, you uh, talked nice. me into playing it with you guys last night. I logged in. I'm like, wait, Nathan's asking me to play Destiny all the time? What's going on? Yeah, it's like <laughs> an alternate universe. It's <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, and you pulled me away last night from uh, Gears of War 4. Um, I am a longtime Gears fan from the Xbox 360 era. Um, Gears 2 was my first game. Went back and picked up Gears 1 after that. Uh, super hyped for Gears 3. Came out right in the middle of our college years when we were in the dorms. And 
like I don't know how many countless hours and waves of horde mode we played in college. And oh my goodness, we played a lot of horde mode. So much horde, and um, I, I actually did play a lot of that game online as well. That, and uh, really, really enjoyed my time with Gears Four because I started the game and I didn't really want to jump straight into the campaign yet um, because I only had about maybe about 30, 40 minutes to play, and. Um, the horde mode is, you know, more of like a two, three hour thing you want to do as well. So I just jumped in a couple rounds of multiplayer to see how it felt. And I was surprised of how quickly it, it came back to me. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I I love gears. I love how it feels and controls and the Nasher shotgun, the Lancer and all these weapons that I've come to know, love, feel and shoot a sound. The same way I'm getting, you know, the perfect active reloads, you know, and it just, I forgot how much I love these games because I haven't played any gears games since, you know, what over five years when I played Gears 3 all the time in college. So um, really excited to play more Gears 4 and jump into the campaign and experience that and mm-hmm. um, play that game some more. It's it's really beautiful. It looks and feels great. Like, I I remember those games always looking really, really nice, but, like, this feels just like I remember it feeling, and it looks amazing and beautiful. So, um, so does this enjoying. excite you for the uh, Gears Pop game that's coming? No, I will not play that abomination, but I am interested in Gears 5 whenever that comes out. So, okay, sounds good. Um, Probably on the next system. No, I think I think they out. announced it for Xbox One. Did they? Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, um, so hopefully, hopefully. That being said, they they love porting Gears of War. Like, they remastered, like, all three games and stuff like that for Xbox One X and stuff. So I'm sure they'll, they'll bring it over to the new Xbox or whatever eventually. Um, other than that, uh, I did play Quantum Break as well. This was one of my Game Pass games as well that I've been uh, been wanting to check out. It was kind of Xbox exclusive, and this is a very cinematic story-driven game, just like a Telltale game. Uh, and the story is kind of crazy, where you're basically experimenting in this lab, and crazy time explosion happens, and you basically inherit these powers where you can freeze time for brief moments and uh, warp some things around and move you know through time quickly and i only really played the first uh kind of main episode or like two or three hours of the game but really really good voice acting the animations really good for a game that came out a couple of years ago um it does kind of play almost like uncharted in a way where like there are like cover based sh- lots of shooting parts um but it kind of throws this little bit of mass effect in there where you can like throw out you know, your time manipulation powers to make it a little bit more interesting and more sci-fi. But, um, yeah, pretty pretty cool game. That I will say the one thing that discouraged me from playing this is there is a lot of, like, unnecessary swearing. Like, there's F-bombs, I feel like, every, like, 30 seconds in this game, which I don't means I can't really play it in front of my family. And so I don't know if I'm going to continue that much further with it, but... Mm-hmm. definitely is a pretty cool experience and you know we were talking about telltale games this is a game i don't think would have been made if telltale you know didn't you know have its success that it did but didn't this, this is game... the one that had the tv show yeah, yeah that's what i was gonna ask it did it had a tv show tie-in i don't know if that's directly like it shows clips from the show in the game or not um i haven't seen any of that but you could definitely okay. tell like that actors like it all the characters in game are based off of like actors like it's the guy who plays the main guy is the guy who plays the Johnny Storm, like the the Iceman from the X Men movies. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I I've seen your face before. So, and isn't the villain? He's from Game of Thrones, I think. Uh, possibly, I haven't 
haven't really seen that, so I'm not sure. But I, I do know they're all pretty famous. They're all actors, like big Hollywood actors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's a really big Hollywood cinematic experience. But I always love stories with time travel and time manipulation stuff. I always find that stuff interesting. So story-wise, it, it's got, got some good beats in it for sure. And combat's, you know, okay. The, the time stuff is fun, but nothing too special there. But yeah, um, so that that's another fun game uh, that I've... I've uh, enjoyed, but not sure if I'll keep going with it. But move on to the next game in uh, the Xbox Game Pass library while I have it. So, um, anyways, I think that about does it for this week's show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, listening to the show. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us every week. So, thank you, listeners, and we will leave you with the intro to The Wolf Among Us. Have a good time. See you guys. Have a great week. See ya. See ya. Thank you.